Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the first episode of the Believe in SoCal High School Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Morissette. I've partnered with the Believe Podcast Network here in 2019, so my show has a different name. Look out for episodes every week recapping prep news as well as shows with guests that you're used to hearing on my program. We'll still have coaches, players, and journalists. There'll be a lot more consistent content, which I'm excited about, so be on the lookout for that. Once again, this is a venture with the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network. If you enjoy this show, please rate and subscribe. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify, as well as Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Tons of great stuff on Believe as well for other sports ventures in Los Angeles. They got shows for the Lakers, the Clippers, USC, UCLA, all that good stuff. So if you're a fan of LA sports, there's a good chance that they will have a show for you. So Tarek Fatel is here from the LA Daily News. Tarek, thank you for uh, dealing with that long intro and uh, happy to have you finally. We've been, we've been talking about this for a while. It's good to have you in studio too. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So today I want to get into, before we get into your background, some headlines and just some big stories right now in, in LA high school sports. And of course, we got to start with the teacher strike. And I'm not going to ask you for any political takes or anything. We all know that the teachers want this. The district says there's not enough money. So here we are. My question for you is, do you think parents of middle school athletes right now, they kind of see what's going on here. And do you think they think maybe this is the last straw? I was going to send my kid to an LAUSD school, but now maybe still LAUSD, but maybe we go charter or maybe we go private. Do you think this is hurting the future of uh, city section athletics? Maybe more than uh, because we've already seen a gap. So is that gap getting bigger with the strike? Well, I think initially when I think of that question right now, I think, well, the last time there was a strike, it was in 89. So I think parents now, can I, I would hope, be rest assured there won't be uh, any possibility that their kids, their, you know, at any time during their career will miss games because of a strike. Um, but, you know, I just think maybe the kids that are in high school right now might think, you know, the seniors are like, man, I don't, you know, I, I know it's, you don't think about kids when you're a senior in high school, but, you know, you're thinking, man, you know, uh, when that time comes, they'll think, man, my senior year, I missed, you know, five, seven games. That was my senior year. I, I you know, I wouldn't never want to run the risk of that. So I actually spoke to a parent, uh, a father who has a son who's in eighth grade. I was at the uh, Crespi Alamany basketball game just this week. And the dad was talking about how he wants to put his kid in private school. Um, LAUSD school is really not an option. I don't think it pertained to the strike, but um, there's a lot of different reasons why I think people are picking one, you know, private or charter over LAUSD. But with the strike here, I can't imagine it's doing any good. Certainly. And you really feel for tonight, it should be Westchester against Fairfax. That's not going to happen. Hopefully that game gets rescheduled. Taft, El Camino, Real were supposed to play in basketball. El Camino could have played, but Taft, of course, isn't a full charter, so they won't be able to play. And that game will have to be rescheduled. And you hope that we can fit these games in. But talking to Dick Dornan, the sports information director, the whole CIF, the whole state, they're on a set schedule, so there's really not much room to move things around. And you just feel for the kids. I, I saw your article. You, you talked to the Silmar coach and guys like Ricky Jamie, who, who's a senior for them, has, has played really well. He having to miss some games, a kid who's worked really hard. And that just goes for so many of these kids. At the end of the day, I think you just got to really feel for them. And, and both of us, I think that's uh, the feeling's mutual. Yeah, absolutely. I think I kind of wanted to center that 
piece on seniors. You know, I, I think especially because we're in such a big transfer era and not that there's anything crazy wrong with that. But I just wanted to make sure to point out kids that have been in the program, not necessarily four-year varsity players, but four-year program players that have, you know, like I said in the article, worn the same colors all high school career. And uh, here they are their senior year. And, you know, your senior year is about um, challenging yourself in different ways or trying to accomplish things that you haven't before, so on and so Maybe Maybe it's your first year on varsity. Maybe you're a two-year JV guy, and this is your first year on varsity, um, and it just so happens that the strike is going to tarnish that senior year. I mean, what a bummer. So, um, And, you know, I touched on not just games, but, you know, team meals, bus rides. Some Certainly. of those are the best memories, man, even for kids that don't play much, but they're on varsity. They get the experience. Well, all those are squandered because they're just not happening. So... It's really a shame. And one other strike question for you. There are a bunch of seniors in the city section who have signed and are going to play in college, but looking at a guy at Taft like Dominic Winbush who transferred from Crenshaw, who's still right in the middle of his recruitment, do you think that him missing these games is affecting the recruitment, and do you think that will affect other players as well because right now they can't play these games, coaches can't look at them? Is that something that you think that these kids are, are, are being concerned about and their parents, or do you think that there's a lot of film on them and missing a couple games isn't that big of a deal? I think for a kid, I try and put myself in an 18-year-old's shoes or a 17-year-old's shoes. They're, I would say they're concerned, absolutely. If, you're, if you are a kid that is on the cusp of being recruited or being recruited and you haven't signed or you feel like any extra game because – when it comes to high school athletics, especially now, football's a little different. They only play, you know, at 10 games or whatever. Then you make the postseason. Okay, maybe you play one extra game, two extra games if you're lucky. If you're lucky, you play five extra games and win a championship or what have you. Basketball's not so much that, but what I will say about high school sports, regardless of any sport, you never know who's watching. You never know who's in the stands. So you're missing out on that extra. That's so true. You, you're, you're missing out on that extra opportunity. Maybe you go for 30 and hit a game winner. Sometimes coaches just need to see that. They took a they take a look at you. They call your coach. They ask your coach what kind of kids you are. They call your AD. What kind of kid is he in class? All right, yeah, you know, let, let's have him out for a visit. And that's all just because the one game. And so it's not necessarily more games under your belt that pat your stats, but you're missing out on maybe just that one more opportunity where a coach is in the sands, stands. You know, and sometimes coaches are in the stands watching player A on team A, but it's player B on team B that stands out. Those are those are no longer there. And so we hope that the strike does end soon so that the window to make up games on the other side of it is large enough, you know, with time um, that may not happen. So, you know, for the kids, yes, concerned. Uh, parents, I'm sure, are concerned. In the grand scheme, not the end of the world. And to your point, Eddie Egan last year for El Camino Real, Montana – the school he's at now, they were down. They were supposed to play either UCLA or something, and, and something happens. Their game gets canceled, so the coaches go on an extra recruiting trip, and they see Eddie Egan for one game, and to your point, maybe they were looking at someone else, but they saw Eddie, and they said, hey, I like this guy. Got in touch with Coach Joe Wyatt over there at Elko. Boom, he's at Montana this Happens year. all the time. So that's it really so Any coach will tell you, uh, you know, um, that, that's why I'm sure a lot of guys, you know, there are a lot of challenges to recruiting, but I'm sure there's a lot of fun to it too, obviously. When you're at a game, you're watching guys compete. Any coach I've spoken to, any level, uh, those coaches like to watch competition. They like to, like, they like to watch guys compete, and you just never know who's going to surprise you. Switching gears, we were both at Sierra Canyon boys basketball game against Windward on Tuesday. 
The team is one of the best teams in the country, Tarek. You've been on this job since 2015, and you've been a product of Southern California high school basketball, grew up around here. Where does this team rank in terms of some of the top teams that that you've seen in your time here in Southern California? Because they were dominant. Absolutely. I mean, when you're talking about, there's, it's crazy because not only are they good, but they got star power. And that's where things get really, really into like the upper echelon of, wow, is this team, you know, one of the greatest of all time in California and so on and so forth. Obviously, uh, Sierra Canyon was one of the best high school sports, excuse me, is the only San Fernando high school basketball team to win the highest level of state championship, that open division championship last year. So um, just off that, this is a very, 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 very good team. And they're the favorites to do it again, which would be absurd. Um, You know, a lot of people have a microscope on them because they have, they have had transfers uh, last year. They've had transfers this year. And, you know, as much as there are transfers in today's era of high school sport, it's still somewhat taboo, especially when you're bringing them in all the time. You know, they're within the rules. These guys are eligible. They're playing. As far as I'm concerned, hey, if you're within the rules, by all means. Um, but the team itself, uh, explosive, fun to watch, very good, well coached. They are so fun to watch. And sometimes when you go to these games, Kenyon Martin Jr., K.J. Martin, is a fantastic dunker, as is Cassius Stanley. Christian Coloco can throw it down. They have guys who can really throw the ball down. And whenever you go to Sierra Canyon, you see a million guys with cameras. And I'm mm. one of the people with the cameras, so I, I don't want to look <laughs> down on those guys. Right. And you, you hear coaches say, you know, they're just trying to do these and one, just film focus on one player. Sierra Canyon kind of embodies the the sweet highlights and the guys with the nice joggers shooting the 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 video of these dunks and uploading it really fast onto social media. Do you have any problem with that whole culture or how, how that's going? Does that, you know, style of high school basketball and just kind of where that's all heading with these amazing stars, does that bother you at all? Uh, it does. It does. It, it really does. Basketball is my love. I played it in college, played it in high school. I would say I'm a product of the sport, but I would like to say I was not, even when I was in it, I was not the biggest fan of the culture. Um, it's a very... Me, 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 you know, I want as many points as I can get, culture, and um, that's just the truth. And it's happening with a lot of high school sports, not just basketball. It's just yeah, more football so, as well, for sure. More so now, but I, I go to those games, and I cover Sierra Canyon because they're the best team, you know, and I have to, and I want to. That, that's not like I'm there and I don't want to be. Yeah, uh, same for me. Yeah, absolutely. But um, the other night, two weeks ago, I went to a Buckley Holy Martyrs, like Division Five Liberty League, I believe that's the league name, uh, you know, game. And I wrote a little story on it. I I I I led the story with, you know, no one at no one at the front taking tickets, you know, sales, uh, not one cameraman on the sideline, not one dunk in layup lines, and it was refreshing. It was it was awesome. And uh, you know, I think when that's how I literally that's how I wrote it. I think I wrote it like that. And you'd think, okay, what was so fun about it? But, you know, then I wrote, it was awesome. Because it at, at the core, it's good basketball. You know, it's not the highest level. These guys aren't going D1 or anything. But they come down, they run their sets, they play hard. The gym was loud. People are cheering. And so sometimes those really, uh, I don't know about innocent, but those really just natural, good, fun-loving atmospheres are what I miss. 
And so I do get to them every so often, but because there's only one of me uh, in the area, I've got to be at the biggest games. And the biggest games garner the tension you're talking about with the cameramen and the live stream and the marketing and the, you know, it just goes on and on and on. So am I the biggest fan of it? No. Do I understand it's the nature of the beast? Yes. And you were at El Camino Real against Birmingham, and I think that was a similar kind of game. Great buzzer beater at the end. The stands were packed. My colleague Alex was there as well. He had a million good things to say about that game. And that's why we love city section basketball and football as well. Sometimes you're going to get some games that kind of stink, but then there's an opportunity when two really great public slash charter schools meet, you get an atmosphere in a game like that. And I think you can speak to just how great that was. Well, yeah, because there's there is a... Those schools have been around so long. You get alumni, you get people that it's just something about it, the history and the way those schools reside with their local community, I think speaks more volumes to some of these other private schools. And I can say for the daily news standpoint, when I cover city section sports, um, the traffic for it generally runs better, you know, longer legs um, because you get so many, you know, those schools have been around for so long and you get, like I said, alumni that are still connected to the school or still care about what's going on at the school. A lot of these private schools sometimes, you know, you go, you get an athlete there for four years or whatever, three years. He leaves, never see him again. You know, it was just, you know, and that's it. Nothing wrong with it, but um, certainly alumni base can really, really help those atmospheres you're talking about. Going back to Sierra Canyon for a second, how long has that school been around? Do you know off the top I, of your head? I believe their first graduating class was in something like 2009 or something. Okay. Well, yeah, man. The school's been around for like 10 or 12 years. Okay. Let's just go with that. Yeah. yeah, so no matter how long they've been around, that's not a very long time. And right. you see them excelling at football, going all the way to a state championship. They're the best team in California and arguably the country in basketball. What has that school done right that a lot of these schools haven't been able to do who have such rich histories. I'm sure being private, of course, helps versus the public schools, but there are a bunch of private schools that have rich traditions and kind of fall off. What do you think from covering this team in these sports? I'm sure it starts with the coaches, Coach Ellinghouse and Coach Chevalier. Sure. They're, they're great, uh, but just it's incredible what the school's been able to do and just what's your take with that? Yeah, you know, I think people listening to this podcast, <laughs> I see it all the time and it's just the truth. And I, I full, fully feel comfortable talking about it. You know, I think most people would think, oh, well, it's easy, you know, money, you know, yes, the school has money. I don't think they would deny that, but that's not the reason why their athletics are so good. There is a ton of schools um, that have a lot of money uh, and their athletics aren't very good. And it's because I believe the administration believes athletics is something that they feel will grow the school. Now, I think that's a good strategy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you're talking about building school spirit, camaraderie, um, creating events that'll bring your local community together, what better to do it than by way of athletics? So, of course, we're sports guys, so we're a little biased on that, you know, and I get in, not in arguments, but I get in conversations with coat with uh, teachers and people that aren't sports people all the time about oh you know sports it's it's you know it doesn't mean anything that it's just a game well yeah you're right in the grand scheme absolutely you know that's why I love my job so much it's like serious but at the same time you can have fun with it because it's sports it, it's supposed to be fun yes there's drama of course but that's the fun part of it getting a little off topic back to the schools I think when you have an administration that believes athletics can compound everything around it, whether it be theater, music, band, uh, extracurriculars. You know, if you can bring in a lot of athletics can bring in more students, 
so on and so forth. So I think more than anything, a, a school like Sierra Canyon built the school and then thought, we're going to try and make a very, very prominent athletic program. And they are seeing the, the, the fruits of that decision. Uh, with everything they do, for the most part, athletics is really what makes that world go round over there in Chatsworth. That's a great take, and that's some interesting insight. I, I appreciate that. Uh, last question with Sierra Canyon basketball. I believe they lost to Mount Verde Academy in Florida. I think they're going to play them again at Hoop Hall mm-hmm. either this weekend or in the next few weeks. Say they win that game and then don't lose again, win open division in the southern section, win an open division state championship. Where in your mind does that team rank in terms of teams that you've covered the past few years? Because they have to be right up there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, I can't say that that open division team last year wasn't the best team I've ever covered. It's just... That's just the truth. Um, and last year, Bishop Montgomery was there to, you know, take swings with them and really yep. challenge the modern, modern day as the team this year. And we don't know if they'll be able to do that. I, I saw modern day beat them in the spring, but that was a, you can't take much stock in sure. that game. We'll see if modern day is legit. They have some big games coming up too. Sure. Well, I think a lot of people forget last year when Sierra Canyon won the Open Division State title, they lost the sectional title to modern day, which is a very good team. And so. Um, Yes, as as far as you know, I, I've been doing this for going on my fifth year now, and I think that is the best team I've covered. I, that's easy. This year, kind of going back to your question, they are going to play Montverde Academy at Hoopal Classic uh, on Monday. It'll be on ESPNU, and it's January twenty first, I believe. And they're actually playing it at Springfield College. That's where I went to yes. school. So maybe maybe we'll get into that a little later. But <laughs> yes, really, my old stomping grounds. Um, so it's a very good event. It'll be on TV. Their only losses to Montverde, and they're going to play them again. And um, they are missing Taryn Frank, one of their top yes. juniors. You know, it's just like this. The, this team just continues to just show you how much talent it has, despite not having one of its best players. But uh, you know, if they if they can t- knock off Montverde, which might not happen. I think they come back to California. I made a prediction at the beginning of the year that Sierra Canyon would not lose a game in California, and I'm I'm that's holding true so far, and that's how good I think they are. Yeah, so far so good with that. And if you just watch them, it's it's incredible. I, I think I've talked to some other journalists, and the, and they'll say there are a lot of Division three, Division two, and junior college teams that this high school team would beat. That's just the level that they're at. It's definitely it's incredible. Sticking with basketball, every time I turn on ESPN and watch Sports Center, and I see college basketball highlights, Taft alum Kihei Clark, who's at Virginia, he is always on. I see him hitting shots, making threes, and of course they have Kyle Guy and Jerome, who's so good. But but he's getting in these highlights as well. A, I think a lot of people, when, when he went to Virginia and Tony Bennett took a chance on him, said, oh, red shirt, hit, we won't see him for a while, if, if at all, maybe he transfers. What he's able to do, I think, is incredible being an undersized guy. So I want to just ask you your takeaways just from seeing him. And B, has there been anyone recently from Southern California who's kind of mirrored him, gone to a power on the East Coast and played right away? We see a million Pac-12 guys, some guys who go maybe a little bit further East, but it's pretty rare to see guys have such a big impact with such a great team in uh, year one from Southern California. Yeah, I, the only, I can think of one other guy off the top of my head right now, um, but in regards to Kihei, it, what I think is so a little bit of a no-brainer, and I agree with you. I think most people thought, okay, you know, I don't know, five nine guard on a good day, um, if that, maybe five ten, and uh, you know, next level guy. I don't see it. You know, a lot of skepticism, but his skill set translates now, and so that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is 
when you have a player, okay, at the next level, Kia Clark can score, but he's not a scorer. So I think when you think about what people can do and not what they do do, I know that sounds really confusing, but when you got a guy that is a scorer, that's not necessarily what he can do at the next level. If he can score, that means that he has the ability to do it at the next level. So I think a guy like Kihei is a um, floor general, plays good defense, handles the ball, doesn't turn it over. I think most coaches would say if you can guard and not turn the ball over, you have a good chance of playing anywhere. Of course, if you're, you know, if you have the certain skills. Kihei Clark fits that mold. So he goes to Virginia and he's doing the same exact thing he's been doing for years. Running offense, not turning the ball over, playing good defense. You know, so I, I, it doesn't surprise me. The other guy I think about that goes, because a lot of guys don't go East Coast. It's a different kind of ball over there. And um, I think California players, to be honest, sometimes get a rap for being soft. So, uh, but a guy that's that's really doing well, it will probably go to the NBA. And I just did a story is Mie Oni. Um, he went to Viewpoint. I think he was in high school a little bit before you kind of got onto the scene, but he's at Yale. He's averaging like 18 points a game. Um, and... He's another guy who went to the East Coast, and he's flourishing. So another name to look out for. And just going to the East Coast, I mean, Yale, I'm sure if he had a UCLA or USC offer, maybe I'm speaking for him, but Yale, fantastic academic school, but you don't think of them for basketball. Is he a guy who maybe some West Coast colleges just kind of missed out on, and now he's going to the NBA, as we see happen sometimes? You know, it's like Kihei, guys clearly missed on him. He was going to... uh, UC Davis, and then, right. boom, Tony Bennett says, hey. Well, he had a great summer. Yeah, yeah. exactly, and then yeah. he scoops him up. So, you know, you see on Twitter all the time, and I don't want to down talk or talk down to these coaches, but sometimes they do miss out on guys, as every coach does. And then Absolutely. You, you see guys from the West Coast go to the East Coast, and, and they flourish. I think Kihei is a clear example of that, and the kid at Yale as well. I, if he goes to the NBA, I'm sure there are a lot of Pac-12 teams who could use an NBA guy right now. Absolutely. So, that's uh, it's crazy to see that. I was very happy uh, just to see how well he's doing because I thought maybe he'd redshirt and uh, Kihei Clark is doing incredible. So in the Mission League, Tarek, you've covered uh, Crespi basketball this year and a bit of a surprise how well they're doing. Definitely, we thought Harvard Westlake would be great, Notre Dame, of course, Loyola. They all have these star-studded lineups, but it's Crespi who's at the top of that league. Do you think they're overachieving, and how have they been able to do it? Uh, over, you know what? Overachieving, yeah, sure. I think that's fair to say. Are they overachieving? Yes. It's because I think of what the, the the parameters at which most people thought they would be restricted to. So last year they had Brandon Williams, like basically like an All American guy. They had Todd Regans, like a four year varsity point guard. Um, this year they're only they have only two seniors and one with legit varsity experience, Kyle Owens, is going to Montana, and. I just think most people thought, okay, and uh, Crespi's going to have this young team that's going to have some growing pains. They'll be good, you know, next year and the year following. Well, you know, that's not the case. Yes, they, I've written it and I'm not afraid to say it. You know, they've kind of, in a way, kind of cupcaked their pre-league schedule a little bit. But it's worked for them. Absolutely. And so, other teams, it hasn't. Exactly. Well, well said. So I think a lot of that has to do with Russell White. He is a very good coach. Very, very good coach. And it's because... His teams are really disciplined, and in a way, he's got a my way or a highway type mentality, um, and that's just you know, and that 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 works for Crespi. And I think parents respect that, and they want that's why that's why you don't see a lot of transfers in or out of Crespi. Yes, they leave. We had a couple this year, but guys that go to Crespi and commit there their freshman year, 
generally stay throughout because they know that they're also being built in a lot different ways than just basketball. But in regards to their performance, they move the ball really well. They play great help defense, and then uh, they make shots. And making shots is the ultimate equalizer. If you can run your stuff, move the ball inside out, you can make shots. You're in any game, and Crespi's doing that. One thing I will say, Harvard-Westlake will probably win the league, um, but Crespi has, I don't know if it was by design, but they have uh, been able to kind of, their first four wins, or excuse me, three wins in the Mission League came by way of the lower tiered teams in the Mission League. So they still have Notre Dame and Harvard Westlake and Loyola to play. I think they play Loyola tonight. But um, so anyway, you know, we could see them ending up three and three, you know, after starting off three and L. But hey, suffice it to say, they will end up in the kind of Mission League year end little tournament. And sometimes that's all you need. You just need an opportunity at that tournament. Yeah, and there's certainly one team that's really overachieved, and it's always nice to check out those teams. There's so much hype about Sierra Canyon and Rancho Christian and all these teams, but a team like Crespi who thought, oh, maybe a rebuilding year for them. For them to start out like that in the league, it's been great. So I, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but I, uh, without really giving you a chance to prepare, the McDonald's All-American nominations came out, and sure. pretty much a million guys from Southern California got nominated, but... Probably only two, maybe three, will actually get picked for the game. So, two questions for you. If you and if you don't feel comfortable answering this, that's okay. If you were on the committee and could pick the two guys from Southern California, who would they be? B. Who do you think it will be? You're not on the committee. Yeah. No. Uh. No. I'm not on the spot. I. I. So I. I did a little write up on that when we saw the nominees, and actually the last boys participants were Larry Drew and Drew Holiday in 2008. So so it's been 10 years. It's been a long time. Only 24 boys get picked, 12 on the East, 12 on the West. So it's not even like a West Coast. If you're on the West Coast, it's only 12. So it's not like a one of 24. It's one of 12, really. So it's very, I'm not exactly sure. I think California will probably get one. I think it'd be unlikely to get two. Okay, so the whole state. I really believe that. Um, it, if you look at all the rosters in the history, sometimes there's not even a California representative. Last year, there was no California kid. In fact, um, there was a big controversy yeah, on Sharif, Sharif O'Neal. O'Neal yep. um, Brandon Williams got hurt. Top guard in the you know didn't go to the McDonald's All. So these things happen. There are other All American games, and don't I mean I know I'm on I'm on record here, but I'm not exactly sure. But I think seniors can only play in two All Star games, and they get invites to like. A million. So you pick. Obviously, McDonald's, you pick. But like, um, then Williams played in the Ball is Life All-American game. Anyway, if I had to pick who's going to go to the All-American game, I think it would be Cassius Stanley. I, I really do. Really? Yeah, uh, because not only is he highly touted, but he adds flair. And uh, he's been a name that the country has known about for years. And um, so I, that would be my pick. Could be wrong, but... I just don't think a guy like Pippen or KJ Martin will probably go. They were nominated. I don't think Drake London's gonna get you know, is gonna go. Julian Rishrain's a great player from Notre Dame. Those are just guys in my area. And then there's a couple out what, of the area. Maybe you have. Yeah, well, maybe what about at like them. Isaiah Mobley or the Big O from Chino Hills? Those sure. are two other okay, guys. Okay, that's a great. Okay, you know what? A guy like Big O might might be uh, might be the pick. Might be the pick. So, I think those three though. The yeah, Stanley. Uh, Big O and then Isaiah Mobley from Rancho Christian because I was talking. I don't know if you are familiar with AC from Beach City Hoops, of the course. guy who does all those videos. Of course, I had this discussion with him, and he said Isaiah has just been doing so well at these premier events, uh, like an AAU and stuff, and just sure. won a lot of MVPs. So he is 
very much on that national scene as well. And I mean, all these guys are when you're this high level of a recruit, but those are the names that he threw to me. So I wanted to ask you, I think it's interesting. Yeah. I, I think just to, to finish that note off, you, you're probably right now that I think about those other guys. Cause I just think about guys in my area. Certainly. Um, but I do think about a guy like Mobley. And another thing too, I think those McDonald's all American games, they look at basically like the top ranked you know, I don't know if they use 24-7 sports or ESPN or kind of like a combination of the both, but they basically pick like a couple great, like t- couple of the top guards, couple of the top wings, couple of top forwards, boom, that's their team. Um, so if those names are among the top in their position, it's likely that they'll uh, they'll go to the All-American game. Yeah, so I'm excited to see that. When the little uh, nominations went out, it was just cool to see there were a lot of kids get nominated, and some you think they have a good chance, others probably just happy to to be nominated, but still uh, all really cool to see. So covering uh, the Mission League basketball, we've all seen Zaire Williams and what he's able to do. In terms of this coverage area, well, two questions. First, what do you think his ceiling is? Because a lot of people are already saying he has NBA-level talent, and I've seen him. I mean, the kid's great. I don't know if I can quantify that yet, having watched not too much high school basketball, but he looks great. Is he the player with the most potential in this area, and what is his potential, do you think? Yeah, his potential is ridiculous. He's, you know, 6'9", can shoot it, can handle it, can guard, uh, plays with what I would say is a, a decent motor. It's not like he's out there dogging it. And he's got great grades, too. Okay, yeah, you know, um, there you go. You know, goes to Notre Dame, good academics, perfect, fits the bill. So, I mean, and you don't just get an offer your junior year from North Carolina, like, for fun. So that, that in my opinion, you know, a lot of coaches I've spoken to, and I think a lot would agree, sometimes those big offers, that's why the first Division One offer is such a big deal. It's almost like a stamp of approval. You know, we get these athletes, football and basketball, where they're 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 really good and they're not really getting offers, and it's it's because I, I don't want to dive into it and, and talk your ear off, but I just think a lot that first offer is really important. It gives a stamp of approval. Then, kind of other coaches go, oh, you know, well, especially if, for basketball, yeah, too. you know, if Washington State offered them, you know, I'm, you know, uh, I don't know, I'm some Big West school. Okay, I'm gonna offer them. So. I think a guy like Zaire Williams, he's got uh, an offer from UNC, more going to come. He's going to have his pick of the litter. I think he's a pro. Um, You know, he's for sure a pro. Some people, I I actually decipher, you know, he is a pro. He will, but there's a difference between being a pro and going to the NBA. He's he's definitely an NBA type guy, 100% a pro. Yeah, and it's incredible to see that we're able to cover these kids before, you know, they really blow up and he... Obviously, that's already starting with some of the offers that he gets. But I, I always—that's one of my favorite parts of this job: seeing these great guys in high school when they're destined to to go on and do bigger and better things. I think he's kind of the leader in the clubhouse right now in terms of most potential in our area. So I, I, I enjoy talking about him. I want to switch uh, to football, Tarek. Alamany lately, they've been getting some uh, some guys on that team have been getting some big time offers. Miller Moss was offered by LSU, uh, Auburn as well, I believe. Alonzo Fontanet has picked up some offers as well. Is this the next Oaks Christian if they can keep this this team together? Because that's kind of what it looks like to me. They have a lot of underclassmen with some serious offers. If they can keep that going, I think they have a good chance to be really good. Absolutely, um, I think. Kind of to your point, real quick. You know, I get I got to know Kayvon Thibodeau. I've covered him for three yeah. years, and that's that's the guy for me that I think I know when he hopefully goes to the NFL one day. I know he'll remember me, and I kind of knew him when. That's how I think about those things. So just a, just a little note on that. But um, are they the next Oaks Christian? Uh, and yeah. that's tough. Yeah, yeah, that, potentially. You know, um, I think 
I think uh, a guy like Casey Clawson, who is I, – I love covering him. He's great with the media, always calls me back. I always appreciate coaches like that. Um, he, he's always candid with me. I, I just – I can't say enough about Casey. He's been great from a media standpoint. They He knows what he's doing. Um, and, you know, Alamany, you know, that's where he went to school. So if, for people who don't know, Casey Clawson is the head coach at Alamany. And that's where he went to school. Those were his glory day. He's back to his stomping grounds. And another kind of, in a way, like kind of what we're talking about for Crespi, new coach. He kind of like the riffraff kind of transferred out, if you will, all underclassmen, sophomore quarterback. Their best playmaker was a wide receiver, Kevin Green. Um, you know, they had a running back, Omari Gary, that came in. He was a senior. But in regards to their future, yeah, I mean, uh, What's the you know sky's the limit? So I, I do see Alamania as one of the teams to be reckoned with uh, in the near future. And I don't want to bog you down with too many football questions. We're no, in, not we're, at all. We're in the heart of basketball, but in terms of next year, I think Alamania maybe two years away to get that really high high level, maybe Final Four, uh, open division, semifinal kind of team. Looking to next season. You think Calabasas is the team to beat in our coverage area? I think they return a good amount of guys, and they look great. Yeah, uh, and when you talk about the daily news, you think of, you know, you have to think of Oaks Christian. You have to think of Calabasas. You have to think of Chaminade. You have to think of a team like Valencia, and you have to think of a thing now of Sierra Canyon. Oh, um, Sierra Canyon. I didn't even can, think yeah, of Sierra there you go. You know, here they here they come, the Trailblazers once again. Wow. You know, you can't get rid of them because they have such great teams, and their football team has literally continued to climb the ladder. Yeah. And what division do you think they'll be in? Too? Uh, they'll. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people want them to be Division One. Too but soon, I, though. But way too soon. Yeah. You know, you won from Division Three. You've gone to the state. You know, they won the sectional, won the regional, lost in the final. I think they'll be a really good Division Two team, and that's one hundred percent fine. So. um and, you know, what's even crazier about that is I think they were like an eight-man football program like ten, nine years ago or something like that. And here they are. Um, I think they have two state championships, maybe, oh man, two or three state championships and almost won their third or fourth this past year. So those are the teams to think about for football. But, you know, in, in regards to Calabasas, Jaden Casey's coming back, Fresno State. And um, Jermaine Burton will be back. Yeah, there you go. Trey Burton. I mean, he's an outstanding wide receiver. So um, you said Jermaine, Williams, Jermaine Burton, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they've got some some talent. Th- those are probably the top four. You know, Syracuse, Canyon, Calabasas, Oaks Christian, Alamany. Yeah, and I don't really know what to expect from Oaks Christian. I know they have uh, a couple transfers who've come yep. in, but they graduated uh, a, a lot of guys. So I've had a couple Mission League coaches on this show, and I want to get your opinion on this. I know we just kind of gassed up Alamany a little bit, but overall – in terms of Division One, kind of making a real impact out of that Mission League. Because when I first moved out here, and I did a little research, what leagues are like the best, what do I need to know? So the Trinity League came to mind, and then the Mission League was big number two. But we've seen Loyola kind of be down a little bit. In terms of a Division One power, Bishop Amat down a little bit. Notre Dame had a great year in Division Two this past year, but again, not Division One. What's up, do you think, with this kind of, I don't want to say decline, but... Is the Mission League going to be capable of producing legit Division One caliber teams in the future? Are they kind of trending down a little bit? Just what's your take on that whole league? Because I thought they used to be powers, and now it kind of seems like it's fading a little bit. Yeah, I think it's kind of one of my critical, and this is a little, not off topic, but this is my roundabout way of answering this question. One of my critical things this year was covering Valencia High School. They are a division. They were a Division One program this year. And when you're a Division I football program in Southern California, in the Southern section, you are measured by the company you keep. So what that means is if you're not trying to beat or be 
Modern Day and St. John Bosco, what are you doing? And so Valencia scheduled, Valencia has, is in the Foothill League. And, Which isn't very good. Exactly. And it, there's nothing wrong. You cannot control what league you're in. Valencia scheduled a poor, and, and, and a poor pre-league schedule. Um, they, they lost, lost to Sierra Canyon, to Sierra Canyon yeah. at home, which was a big win for Sierra Canyon, in my opinion. Now, Valencia might have been a little down, but and of course they got bounced in the first round to Modern Day, coincidentally, at, at home. Champion, yeah. Exactly. So I just think when it comes to the Mission League and you're asking yourself, okay, how can we be a legit Division One program? You've got to try and measure yourself against the best. And that is not an easy question to answer. And so I think these teams are doing their best. I would argue the Marmani League was more competitive than the Mission League this year. Notre Dame was very good, don't get me wrong, but the Marmani League had Oaks and Westlake uh, and Calabasas. I mean, all really good, talented teams. So, um, you know, the Mission League, I wouldn't say it's declining, but I think they're almost like at a plateau. Yeah. And I think it's because the Trinity League is so good. So there are some Division One teams in the Mission League, but they're just, the gap is so far. And so it seems like they're declining, but it's just where they're at right now. And you mentioned how with Valencia moving up to Division One, you're going to judge them differently than you would other teams. And I, I talked to Kevin Rooney about this, the coach of Notre Dame. Yep. He had a great year in Division Two. Of course, you you want to move up. That would be great going to Division One. But isn't going to Division One if you're not modern day Bosco Corona Centennial already an established team? Isn't moving up to Division One for 99 percent of the teams that have that chance kind of a kiss of death? Oaks Christian could compete this past year. They're going to retool. I don't think they'll be competitive in Division One with the best of the best. Maybe make the semifinals. Like, I don't. I don't think they'll be able to do that. Isn't it so tough when you're going up against these modern day and St. John Bosco teams? Ideally, do you kind of want to stay in Division Two where they have a chance to compete for a lot of these teams? And isn't that a problem? Yeah, of course. You know, you always want to be on the cusp. Uh, you, you know, I'm sure Rooney would say, "Yeah, we'd like to stay in Division Two," and I don't blame him. But uh, I think that's something you might want to look into as potentially again reformatting the Division One playoff. You know, one idea that I'll just throw out there, and I'm sure there's some loopholes to it because I haven't given much thought to it, but where you have the 16 teams, but the instead of you lose and you're out. Because basically, football division one is like the open division for basketball. That open division um, bracket, you, once you lose, you kind of still play. You keep playing because it's like an honor. It's like going to the tournament, um, like the NCAA tournament. Even though, yeah, Anyway, so my point is with football, what I'm thinking is they might – something to look into is you have the 16 teams, but the, if the winners then – the winners bracket, winner side of the bracket turns into the open division – and the loser's bracket maybe turns into the Division One championship because you still have those higher echelon Division One teams that are probably better than Division Two teams. And I think that's a great you answer see what I'm saying? for the city section, too, with Narbonne's dominance because right now the way that the city has it for next year is if you go to the open division, you know, you're going to lose to Narbonne. The Division One champion has a chance to go to the state. Uh, tournament or state playoff game, which wasn't the case in the past. It was the open division with the best teams from Division One, so the Division One champion didn't have that opportunity. And I thought that was that was good. Let's I, I agree with you. Let's if we're gonna take the best eight teams from Division One, why is a team thirty two to nine have a chance to make the state playoffs when uh, these other teams don't? But you know that's a conversation yeah. for for yeah. a different. Team. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I don't think that made much sense. So <laughs> on uh, the 
the Believe in SoCal High School Sports Podcast. I know it's a high school sports podcast, but we have Tark here. Tark, I know you you watch the Lakers. You're, you're wearing a USC shirt. I want to ask a couple questions about some other teams, non-high school related here in Los Angeles. The Lakers last time picked up a big win over the Thunder. I'm sure uh, you saw that. Not a championship contender this season. What do you think the key for them will be to, to get there? Because that's what everyone wants. Well, right right now... Uh, I, this this is not going to answer your question, but when you ask me Lakers, so this is my these are my initial thoughts yeah, on Lakers. Let's just hear your Laker thoughts. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I you get LeBron James. LeBron James is no now he's I am a big LeBron James guy. When LeBron James first came in the league, and Kobe Bryant was still doing his thing, I've been a LeBron guy since he came into the league. Period. I I believe he's the greatest collaborator of all time. I believe people that um, knock him for his ability to go to different teams and create these super teams. People consider that some type of weakness. I think that's an advantage. Who, who anyone in business, in life, it, you know, you want someone that can bring powers together and, and accomplish things. Uh, hello, LeBron James. Okay, that's one. Two, he comes to the Lakers. I think this team that's around him right now, you've got to, people are asking the wrong questions in my opinion. LeBron James, I believe, just turned 34. I think he's 34 yeah, he's years old. old. He's getting okay. there. Now, he doesn't – I mean, he's got his injury right now, probably his first major injury in his whole career. I think it's just um, like an anomaly, big deal, right? It's just the one. But I think when you think about a 34-year-old LeBron James who is still playing outstanding, I'm not saying he's on his way down, but I think he's starting to plateau. And that's fine because that plateau is probably a lot higher than any other peak of another player. You have to ask yourself, what? how long is his window? And so when I think of of – putting a team around LeBron, you have to think about winning right now. And I think this young team still is seasons away, a season or two at the least away from really, really being a championship level team around him. It's going to take the the gap he needs to uh, expedite between their youth and being an experienced team is so large, I don't think LeBron James can do it, although I, although I think he's great. I think you have to look at what young players are trade assets and get a team together in within LeBron's window that'll help them win now because I just do not see them winning with this team anytime soon. Yeah, and, and I, I think tra- trades are going to have to be made. And so, I sorry, last point. A lot of people think, okay, who's expendable? Ingram, Kuzma, so on and so forth. I, I, I think a guy like Ingram, who is really young and still needs development, by the time he becomes the player you want him to be for LeBron, LeBron's window might be closed. He's 34. Um, so those are some of the thoughts I have about the Lakers. Yeah, and it's kind of mirroring what the Celtics have done. Looking, I'm a Celtics guy, and so I know they're not having the best year. They did have that nice win over the Raptors the other night. But looking at, at them, the, the talk with them this past offseason, if the Spurs were seriously interested in Jalen Brown, the, the rumor was the Celtics said, no, we're not going to trade Jalen Brown, even if it gets us a year of Kawhi and, and all that. They wanted to, they, they've fallen in love with the young guys, which is what sure. the Lakers can't do. That's The Celtics have kind of fallen into that trap a little bit. The acquisition of LeBron does not allow you to do that. Exactly. And to the Celtics point, the acquisition of Kyrie probably shouldn't allow you to, to do that either. In my opinion, I know he's a lot younger than yeah. LeBron, uh, but with the Celtics, like if you can trade Jason Tatum and get an Anthony Davis, you you have to do that. You, you do can't it. fall in love with these young young guys right. when you have guys like Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving right now who can win now. I know the Celtics are trying to have their cake and eat it too. You know, right. be young but also compete. 
they got to pick an avenue, and it's that's why it's kind of come to a head this year. And I think this offseason for the Lakers is so huge, and it yeah. always has been. Magic Johnson always talked about we we got LeBron, but remember next offseason is going to be big too. I think they need to to make some trades, so we'll we'll see how that works. Because you're right, LeBron James is he's older now, yeah, and, he's, and it's not a knock on him; it's just the truth. Yeah. Like he, you you can't think. You can't think, okay, three years from now, this team will be the team. Well, he'll be 37. You know, it's like this team needs to win. Like, n- everyone gave LeBron is having the most, um, he is the most, excuse me, what am I trying to say here? The least amount of pressure is on LeBron James in his whole career. Yeah, ever. Than his, the only other year might have been his rookie year. Now, it, this is the least amount of pressure he's ever had in his whole career. No one expected him to do anything with the Lakers. When he was on the floor, they were a playoff team. So if he can get into the playoffs, maybe win a win a a series, I think everyone will be really pleased with that. It's next year, uh, pending on the moves they make, that pressure is going to be on him, and that's something he's used to. But I'm not exactly sure if they have a, a roster very similar to what's going on right now, they will not win. I agree. And real quick, who's the Lakers' number two guy right now? You have LeBron. Who do you think is set? like? Because that's I think. The See, problem. for me, I think it's Kuzma. Yeah, I, I do. You know, I, I really do think Kuzma's the guy. And that's another another and I'm sticking to my window, you know, theory. He's like three years older and can contribute in different ways. Not saying Ingram won't be, you know, the next guy or whatever, but it's going to take him some time, clearly. Well, and that's the issue with the Lakers. Warriors, Steph Curry, who's their number two guy? Durant, you know, Draymond Green, all, all these guys. You, you look at in the East, Raptors, Kawhi Leonard, and then they have, uh, what's his name? Kyle Lowry, like right. an established, good second guy. I think that's an issue with the Lakers as well. You you, you want to bring in one, maybe two more pieces to try to, to try to get you there because you're not really able to answer that question right now. And right. I think that's a big issue. Right, right. Um, quickly, USC, UCLA. So we saw the whole Cliff Kingsbury nonsense with USC football. UCLA football had a quote-unquote bad recruiting year under Chip Kelly. In your eyes, who's better positioned next three years to just – have a better football program, USC, UCLA. Gosh, you know, I'm a big, my dad, my dad went to USC. I was you got raising, the USC shirt yeah, on I here. Was, I was raising Cardinal and Gold. But I tell you what, man, uh, I really like Clay Helton. I do. I think everyone Great recruiter. You got Brew McCoy, Clay Helton. Kyle Ford uh, right now. And, and the, the recruiting is Can nice. Can they play though? But the recruiting is nice, but um, I think we are seeing some, some gaps in some of the coaching, some of the, the execution, and uh, you can get all the players in the world, but if you can't coach them up, you know, and I, not to say that Clay Helton's a bad coach, but I hate to say this, all that to say, I think a guy like Chip Kelly just needs a little time. And that's where I feel potentially, see, USC's got bigger fish to fry than a new football coach. I, don't, I think they have like an interim president or they don't have a president. They're dealing with all kinds of different like lawsuits. I don't know if you know, but USC's got all kinds of issues. Their school is going through a lot of issues. Hiring a new football coach when you really already have one is not the biggest thing on their, it's just the truth. So I think that actually helps Clay Helton stick around. But keeping a guy like Clay Helton may in, down the line be the reason why USC kind of falls back uh, in the race to a guy like Chip Kelly who might swoop up on these extra recruits that might have otherwise gone to USC because USC looks, in my opinion, like like a wounded animal a little bit, especially with the Kingsbury thing, man. I mean, they had him, and then yeah, that, that was, was gone. Yeah, I mean, that, like... that should tell you, and I don't want to go on this huge rant, but that should tell you all you need to know about USC football right now. Congrats on getting Brew McCoy. Congrats on getting Kyle Ford. Great blue-chip guys. But to... 
bring in an offensive coach who's going to save your football program and then have them turn around and leave a week later, that tells you all you need to know about right. the state of that program. There, there's really some instability. Yeah, yeah that's so the word I, for I it. I think yeah. my answer would be UCLA, and yep. they're I agree. not getting that, the players. It's I don't even not, know if I answered your question. Yes, I believe UCLA might be in the better position right now. It's not even close in terms of recruiting right now. Can that change? Of course, but... UCLA, they have a plan. USC, what the hell is their plan? (laughs) Cliff Kingsbury gets hired and he says, oh, well, maybe we're not even going to, you know, the quarterback position is open. And now he's gone. Is it still JT Daniel? It's it's a big mess there. Yeah. So I I always have time to talk USC because I think it's interesting what's going on. But Tarek, I've had you here for 48 minutes. Let's wrap up sure. as we uh, approach the hour mark with just some personal questions. So just kind of take me through your journey a little bit. I know you played at Moore Park mm-hmm. for uh, basketball and then you went on to Springfield. Now you're out here for the LA Daily News covering prep sports. Just Springfield's a mile away. You ended up... Or, you know, way more than a mile away. Obviously. Yeah, I know it's so mean, yeah. so far away. <laughs> Just take me through your journey. How did this all come to be? Yeah, no, born and raised in San Fernando Valley. Actually, uh, went went to Crespi for two years. Transferred, went to a small school called Hillcrest Christian, which is now Heritage Christian. Okay, uh, played I basketball there. Um, and then you know, I was I've always been a young gun. I was raised by a single mom, and she put me into school when I was four. So what's actually even more funny about in my in my personal experience, what is sometimes a chuckle for me is seeing these kids that are like 19 years old in high school. Yeah. Well, I was 16 years old. My birthday is November 30th. So I started my senior year of high school at 16. Wow. Uh, I was 16 my whole first semester year. Uh, my my whole first semester of senior year in high school, I was 16 years old and didn't turn 17 until November 30th. And so uh, athletically, just by just anatomically, you know, I just didn't really – get into my full potential till after college. So I took a year uh, off college, um, worked, did some other things. Actually, my first job was at Banana Republic, believe it or not. And then uh, then kind of went on with my college journey. I played a year at Master's College, in, in the, which what was uh, in, what's in the, uh, the GSAC is their conference. Then I went and played two years at Moorpark College and finished out at Springfield College. And um, yeah, studied journalism along the way, had internships at Fox Sports, um, my first internship was with the Tony Bruno show radio and Tim Cates was the producer who's now the, uh, the producer at Petros and money. So I've gotten to know those guys over the years and um, just the journey has been really, really awesome. And I can't say that uh, the, the one thing I can't leave out is when I went to Springfield College. Uh, I met my wife. I mean, I, I went oh, out really? there and met met, met Brianna, uh, and uh, yeah, she was running track. She ran hurdles an athlete just Is like she myself. From around here. No, she's from New Hampshire. So, oh, you know, really? college sweethearts, uh, if, if you might, you know, if you might say. So, yeah, went out there for two years and, you know, the weather out there sucks, but it was fun, full well knowing. It's kind of like this temporary thing. You know, I know you know about that place, you know, you know about the East Coast and stuff. So, yeah, it was what a blessing it was to go out there and study what I wanted to. She's also a journalism major, which makes life easier for me because she understands what, the, you know, what what the job takes being out at nights and so on and so forth. So um, I very much appreciate her for that. But yeah, that that's kind of a spiel, man. You know, played a little played a little college hoops, went out, got my journalism degree, came back to the Daily News, got hired, and uh, have been the prep been a prep writer for a couple years. And then the last two years, I've been the prep coordinator in charge of all the high school sports coverage for the Daily News, which is quite the task. Two more questions for you: How tough has it been to see a lot of staff at the SoCal News Group shrink? And and we've seen some guys get laid off and just it's been kind of a tough few months to a year for that company you've been fortunate enough to stick around how tough has that been to see a lot of your colleagues lose their jobs yeah it's it's really difficult you know there i won't go into too much detail but there are there were there was one lady in particular and um she was i mean literally going through the hardest time of her life 
and I think you know who I'm talking about, and they, they, they laid her off. And, you know, I don't know who's to blame, and I don't want to point fingers, but, I mean, talk about just rough timing. And uh, just it was just one thing after another for her, and I felt so bad. And, you know, other guys are losing their jobs. It impacts their families. It impacts what, you know, it's just there's so much that gets impacted. And it, it's, it's, it makes you feel, truly, it makes you feel lucky. You know, you're like, wow, you know, I'm, st- I'm still standing. I'm still working. On the other hand, what sometimes can be unfair, and I don't want to complain, is you know, with less people that expect you to do the, to either do the same work or sometimes more. And so, you know, a lot of people don't know. I think a lot of people demand a lot of me as the prep coordinator for the Daily News, but it's 130 schools, all the sports, it's, boys and girls. Yeah. And so when I say that to parents, some parents, I get, man, Connor, I get emails, tweets. I mean, they are malicious. And I, don't, I know they're not personal. They're just, you know, at me, you know, kind of thing. And uh, I, I tend to do, I, I would say for every 10, I, I respond to one. And most, and the one is generally someone who's being cordial about it, you know, hey, asking. And when I say, hey, I'm dealing with all these schools, all these sports, I'm one guy, I'm the only full-time staff member, they understand. And so um, it's just been, it, that, that part of the layoffs made it a challenge. But in regards to the grand scheme, you know, very lucky to have my position. And then the last thing for you, will you ever into the future maybe try to move on something else besides high school sports what what goals do you have how much longer do you want to do this job i know for some people it's a dream come true to cover la high school prep sports and they want to do it forever do you fall into that category what does the future look like for tarik fatel yeah it's a great question thank you i um i definitely have aspirations my my bosses know that and uh you know the last this past summer uh i won't i won't say what position uh, but this last summer, my name got thrown into a hat for a different beat writing position within my news group. And I, frankly, I just turned 29. I've got a whole lot of responsibility. I work for a very, very notable publication here in a large and popular media market, Los Angeles. So when I look at where I'm at in my career, I, I, I'm very pleased with it. Uh, I'm not even 30. I've got a lot of, like I said, I got a lot of responsibility and I'm doing really well and making a name for myself. And I consider it an opportunity to sharpen my school, uh, my skills, and um, just get better at my job, get better at writing, get better at, at all kinds of stuff, communicating and, and collaborating. So, you know, my passion is basketball, as we've spoken about. So, you know, my dream is to cover the NBA. That's always been my dream. So I, I believe that's something I'm still pursuing. And I think I'm very, very confident I will get that chance down the line. But, uh, hey, man, you got to pay your dues. And like I said, you know, for some people that might listen, you know, I, I think about it. Like when you talk to high schoolers, um, even yourself, how old are you, Connor? Uh, 23. Yeah, you're. Yeah, see, that's like the it, six years difference. That's a lot, man. A lot can happen in six years. And so you talk to high schoolers and they, oh, man, how, you know, I've asked like, hey, how old are you, man? Oh, I just turned 29. Like, man, you're old. It's like, nah. You know, when I go into the office, I feel <laughs> like a spring chicken, dude. I mean, people are, people have been, Steve Fryer in the Orange County has had one job his whole life. He got hired, I think, with Orange County Registered at 20, and he just turned 60. He's had that job for 40 years. He's been writing longer than I've been alive. Uh, and so when I think of that, when I put myself in that kind of perspective, it makes me feel like I'm doing really well at my age. And so uh, it's just a matter of time. Tarek, thank you so much. This has been episode one of the Believe in SoCal High School Sports podcast. Find the show wherever you get your podcasts. We will see you next time. He was Tarek Fatel, writer for the LA Daily News, prep coordinator, and only full-time reporter for the San Fernando Valley. Tarek, you're doing a great job. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.